that point was the was the pivotal moment. I was like, damn, people are offering to pay money for like one photograph. I was like, okay, well, maybe I can make money off of this and turn it from a hobby into, into something more tangible. This is Fat Chats with the lads. With your boys Baz, Pricey and Liam. Let's go. I'm just trying to do something fun every day. Never be afraid to go out and see the world. If you're not into NFTs, you miss now. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. We're back in here. And today we are joined by an incredibly talented and successful man behind the lens, an internationally published photographer and filmmaker. His work has been featured by organizations including International Tourism Boards, Beautiful Destinations, Canon Australia, Low Pro, Manfrotto, and many, many more. He shot and produced his own short films, released an NFT collection, and loves nothing more than travel, music, business, and pretty much anything that revolves around productivity and efficiency. We're stoked to have him on the potty today. A massive inspiration and a good mate. This is Chad Gerber. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks Welcome for having me. Chad. Okay, if your head isn't big enough after that. That <laughs> yeah, one. What? That God, was a good intro. intro. Pumped Gas him up. Pumped him up. Feeling good. But, um, oh, let's just end it there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, right. See Thanks, later, for guys. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Let us know a bit about yourself, mate. Where did you grow up? What were some early childhood days? Day zero. Um, I was born in South Africa. You knew that, right? Yeah, I was a yeah. gang. Let's go. <laughs> well, you actually... Wow. Yeah, I, I, had no in, idea. Uh, I didn't know. Born in Pretoria and then I immigrated to Australia in 2000 with my family. Same as me? Yeah. Really? Yeah, 2000. Oh my God. Dude, Same long lost Imagine brothers. That. And we went to the, the, <laughs> the Sydney Olympics was our first fam day out. It was the Sydney Olympics 2000. No way. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fair outing. Yeah, great outing. Damn. So then yeah, moved to Australia, uh, went to school like the northern suburbs of Perth and then uh, moved into like construction and stuff with my family being like into that. Mm. And then, yeah, went to uni uh, at Curtin University, got a bachelor degree in construction management and economics. Um, did, a, did a little short stint in America as well, studying that, and then uh, worked in construction for about seven years. And during that time as well, got a got a master's in building information modeling, which is like a like three D modeling for yeah. for construction. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah, much today. the background. So much. We'll dive into it all, but maybe tell us a bit about early ages. You know, what were you pretty passionate about as a kid? I think I've always been like creative in some format, like. A, a, Picked up my like first guitar and like drumsticks when I was like seven years old, mm-hmm. living on Christmas <laughs> Island, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been like twenty years now since doing that. Yeah, um, Christmas Island. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. lived on Christmas Island for just over a year um, oh, in two thousand and two. Yeah, oh, what? Dad was doing a construction project over there, and then he wanted to bring the family and not be away from the family for a year, so we just packed up here in Perth and yep. moved there, and just uh, go to Bali and Cocos Islands and Christmas Island for for a year. Yeah, picked up my first instrument. There's not a lot to do on that island, man. I think at the time it was probably about a thousand people. Yeah, how old were um, you? Seven years old. Seven. Yeah. Far out. And then mum just bought a guitar and just left it laying around the house, and we all sort of had a crack at it just in our spare time. Um, we didn't have any video games or anything there. Like we just had a house and yeah, like I don't think we had a television for a little bit. Yeah, and then just sort of started playing a bunch of instruments. Got a bit competitive with my brother. And I'd always try and one-up him and being an older brother that he is, he'd always you know, yeah. be better at most things in life. But yep. found something that I could be better at him now and just stuck to that. Yeah, I was in bands and stuff throughout school and like play guitar and bass and drums and yeah, a bit of keys and other instruments and stuff. So, so you came back to the mainland in Perth, what, when you were like eight, nine or so? And yeah, so... Started school then over y- here really? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, came back after that year and then just yeah went back to school, lived yep. in all Perth life and yeah. What schools did you go to? Uh, I went to Carambine Primary in uh, in Perth, a public school, and then I went to St. Stephen's in Caramar, um, yep. yeah, in my high school. So yeah, cool. And a pretty academic kid, or was it more just nah. creative, <laughs> creative <laughs> pursuits in school? No, nah, like I think I um, 
yeah, I didn't really try hard at school. Um, probably only until about year 12. I was yeah. like, damn, I've got to pull my socks up a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. But up until that point, it was more just about having fun with, with mates and, yeah. and goofing around. Yeah, love um, that. Yeah, which I think is what you should be doing in school. For, yeah, definitely. At least a little bit of it. Um, yeah, definitely. And get serious at the end. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Have a bit of fun yeah. for sure. And so after school, uni, you graduated school, went into uni. What did you study? Yeah, so I did um, construction management uh, and economics at Curtin. I, well, I first had a, had a go at architecture, but realised that was not for me. So then took a gap year and sort of just worked like in construction, but like up north and places like Fitzroy Crossing and Derby, just like like steel fixing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then realised, damn, okay, maybe I don't really want to be working in a tin shed in 50 degree weather. No, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, All right, I'll go back to school and, and try and do something in like management of the same thing because that yeah, was like cool. the easiest path. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, sick. And a bit of travel yeah. abroad happened during that uni phase. Yeah. Where so did you decide to go and... Yeah, tell us that. Went to one of my best mates went and studied in um in Florida for I think it was like during his third year of uni, and he came back and he was just like had the the best stories like just had fresh outlook on life. I was like, damn, I I kind of want to do this. So I like did all the paperwork, did like six months of planning, um to get there and all the visas and like you got to match up your courses yeah. and get it all like signed off by like the uni and stuff. Do you get yeah. you have to get scouted by the NFL or something? Like nah, nah, no scouts out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're in America then, did you did you perch up for a bit and study? Yeah, so I studied in Northern Arizona University um, and uh, yeah, sort of just spent six months of planning, like matching up those courses. Got there and I was like, damn, okay, I'm in America. I might as well just go for the full-blown like American experience. Mm-hmm. And my mate had joined a fraternity in, in Florida Let's and he go. highly oh. recommended me joining <laughs> as well. <laughs> so like as soon as the Sunday came where they had like this big rush, like meeting in the big gym, um, yeah, just went up and spoke to a bunch of people and sort of learned about all the fraternities and like went through and like met them all for the like the following week through all their events organised. And then, uh, yeah, went through union, did like, well, college there and then did probably about 12 weeks worth of pledging in a fraternity and got accepted right at the end. And <laughs> now I've got mates for life or brothers for life now. So Is it yeah. literally yeah. like the movies? It's it's very, very, very similar really? to the movies, yeah. It depends what university you go to. Yeah. I think some others are like more party schools and some universities are like lesser, but yeah. I'm very pleased with the uh, the fraternity experience. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tell us a little about um, uh, Northern Arizona. Was it kind of like a snow snow vibe or was it pretty cold? Or Yeah, well, it's the primary reason that I chose there. I think there was probably about 100 schools that I could have picked, but only yeah. like 10 had the courses or like the matchups of those classes yeah. for construction. And I just wanted to go somewhere that I could like snowboard and you know do some like winter stuff because we don't yeah, really get yeah. that here in perth of and i was course. like definitely not want to go live in the snow and see what yeah, that's yeah. like so that was the only one that i i think there was two actually that was the better one um but flagstaff is where it's in like northern arizona yeah um, which is about maybe a couple hours north of phoenix and then like an hour south of the grand canyon for like location wise oh, sick but it's the world's largest pine forest so it's mm. kind of like desert everywhere around that area. And then it's just like this big old super volcano where pine forest has grown up at. And really? then uh, there's just this one like mountain um, called Snowball. And I was like, damn, this looks like the pictures looked insane. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I just wanted to go there so, and live yeah. a wow. snowboard college life. So what would a usual day look like then at college? Wake up, probably miss the first class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause they're usually like 8am, but we'd be, we'd be having some fun the night before. Yeah. Miss the first class and then like join into class probably about 11 o'clock, meet up with your mates and stuff between classes, maybe go up to the mountain, like do a couple hours on, um, on the mountain oh, snowboarding, so <laughs> come back down, do a couple ski shots, like over the train tracks, which like route 66 runs through it. And there's like 
trains that run like every 30 minutes so if you're there at the bars they like give you like dollar shots or whatever whenever the train passes like oh what shot, the yeah. heck no way <laughs> so you just knock a couple of those back and then get back to class um <laughs> feeling pretty good yeah then, yeah <laughs> probably didn't learn <laughs> too much to after that but uh the, uh the beauty of going to like studying abroad was it didn't matter what grade i got over there as long as i passed they would just give me the grade that i was currently getting in like the average of, wow. of my australia so wow. if i was doing like 70 or 80 or like whatever percentage i was doing i just had to pass and then they, they would just give me the equivalent of that and oh, said that's like that's what i got in america so missing a few classes and and uh rocking up drunk a couple of times <laughs> yeah. didn't really make an impact as long as i got that that c yeah, or d yeah. i don't want to see like 70 percent pass was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is pretty easy can like, you can you explain the fraternity how people from different generations celebrities anyone that were in your fraternity how everyone's connected through that yeah well i don't actually realize like when you join a fraternity you and become a brother like a full brother and Mm -hmm. there's like all these different levels and like alumni and stuff like that yeah when you like become an alumni you get access to people that are connected to the fraternity like Mm -hmm. other brothers from other universities all around and yeah there's always like a way to like you know i think the ceo of coca-cola is in my fraternity really um cheech from cheech and chong's in my fraternity as well so like if I wanted to get a job at Coca-Cola, I could definitely find a way to at least get an internship or something like a foot in the door situation. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of like big people that are in fraternities. Yeah, um, yeah. I think like Matthew McConaughey and Will Ferrell and uh, Paul Rudd and stuff like that are all in like fraternities and stuff. And yeah. You know, anyone that's in there can like link up to them if they really wanted so to, I guess. What does so it mean wow. by access to them? Like you get all your like emails and there's like kind of like a centralized like information bank, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen this bank, like but I'd imagine there would be Matthew McConaughey's number and just give him a call. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to like go through like his ten manager. different people yeah. to get yeah. there. Yeah, but yeah, you could just say that you're a brother of his fraternity. So it was literally almost like a career cool. advantage getting yeah. through. I think that. that's why a lot of people do it. I mean, yeah, yeah it's kind of wow. it's a little elitist. I wasn't going there for that at all. I was yeah. just going for the college parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, watching movies in Australia, like ah, come on, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. see if it's really <laughs> like that. <laughs> Turns out it was it was pretty similar. Yeah, that's so. unbelievable. And they love Aussies over there, don't they? Yeah, it's just they, a level up if you're it an Aussie. Is, it is. Uh, it's a good thing to be an Aussie over there for sure. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever get asked like weird questions about Australia? Dude, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Some some like surface questions and some very very deep like questions. Like I'm not gonna go into it, but <laughs> they're like American minds when it comes to Australians. Yeah. It's like they literally ask you anything, no filter. Like um, some people don't even think we exist. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm like our mate went to high school in America school and, and he, fully yeah, he convinced them that we rode kangaroos to school and they fully believed him. The whole, the amount of, yeah, I think he was there for three or four years and the whole time they, they believed him. Oh, really? That's yeah, crazy. That we've each got our own pet kangaroo and we ride it to school. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I convinced, did you, did you have yeah, anything like that? I convinced a bunch of people that I, I had a pet koala at home and his, name, <laughs> yeah. and his name was Reggie and he would sleep in the backyard like in his tree for about 23 hours I don't know if any of that was correct if they if they sleep for that <laughs> they long they do they do because they eat for an hour on yeah. the eucalyptus and they get full asleep and then uh, yeah so they just they fully believed that koala guy so yeah. chemistry degree <laughs> yeah I got a degree <laughs> zoology <laughs> degree <laughs> yeah speaking of the degree though you came back to Perth and yeah you were two years in at that point or was it yeah so I finished my degree and then started working at a construction company in Perth and then got put on a project, actually moved down to like manage them up in like down south of WA for two years. Yep. And during that, there was like a specific thing, like building information modeling on that project. And it wasn't that new, but sorry, it was, it was really new in Australia. I think like Optus Stadium was like one of the first projects to, to sort of have it 
um, to oh. like big scale stuff. And uh, this new uni course like came out in UWA and they only accepted like six people like around Australia. So we had a couple of people like FaceTime in from the East Coast and stuff. And uh, I just happened to be like the guy that was working on the project with me who was dealing with that on my project was also a, a lecturer. And then so I became mates with him. He was like, I think like late 20s at that point. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get you in. We're like, we'll, we'll fudge the numbers. I think he needed like six years experience and like, <laughs> of, like these certain degrees. And like yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point I had like, like just a base level degree and yeah, two like two years experience. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll get you in, we'll get you Fiction. in. But then, yeah, like just absolutely smashed it that year of that degree. So I'd like drive down south on a Monday, like four hours, do 12-hour workdays until Friday and then drive back. But then also do like four hours of study like after work as well. Oh, and I think geez. that's like the point that I really learned the the benefit of efficiency yeah, and yeah. where I like fell in love with it because I had, I like, I just ran like the most efficient like I could possibly do. Like yeah. trying to go to the gym, maintain social life, like 12-hour work days, four hours of uni, like every day for a year. Yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was yeah. a big year. And you achieved a fair lot over that period and got a fair few accolades for, for your work. Yeah, straight after that, I won the new Rising Star Award in the construction industry, which is, I think, like, recognises, like, under 25-year-olds in Australia that, yeah, like, do well. And, yeah. Yeah, sick. Actually awesome. took the prize money from that and bought a drone. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. What yeah. were you saying? Didn't you win an award where you had to go up on stage and do a speech at some point? Yeah, that was that. Was that, was that, one? that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, the speech about? What was the premise of it? Oh, man, I got... At that point, I think, I sort of realised that I didn't want to really work in construction. Like, after putting all that effort in and then getting recognised for, the, like, the award... That little walk up to the stage, I was like, I've kind of like, I put all the effort in, but it's not really that fulfilling. So as yeah. soon as I got to stage, I had a little like speech prepared and then, but I was a bit drunk. So I think like I ended up thinking like Australia at one point. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, like thanks to the award and stuff. But yeah, didn't. Far it out. Wasn't really, <laughs> it wasn't really for me. So you told everyone that it wasn't for me. I can't remember what I said. I'm, I, I think my brother's got a video of what I said. I was pretty drunk at that point. Are you going to copy that? I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll sure ask him for it. Like, yeah, put that in guys, real. I'm quitting. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, going, going back to your kind of hectic period where you're working for a year, 12 hour days, whatever, yeah. what do you think one thing productive wise helped you the most during that time? I think like time management was probably the biggest thing. Having a to-do list like at the start of every day, like writing it the night before, before you go to bed or yep. when you like finish working or whatever and then like waking up to that list was probably the best thing because you'd always like fill it like more than you needed to and set yourself that task every day. And then I think like you just get really, like naturally you get really good at ticking those off and it's a bit of a dopamine hit when you physically yeah, yeah. tick yeah, something loves off. It too. Yeah, We've been it's loving the, best the to-do yeah. list lately, just ticking them off. Yeah. Um, best feeling. But yeah, I think that, that was probably the biggest thing was, yeah, was cool. learning how to manage time. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Because yeah. I, I remember visiting you in your office studio yeah. while you're editing and just being so overwhelmed Crazy. by productivity. Thing, hands going everywhere on the keyboard and it's just hectic. And his, his file management. Organization. His yeah. file management file and his like hard drives and everything. It's like a bookcase. It's like a bookcase <laughs> of shelves. Yeah, it's crazy. It's king so of it. Nice. Well, I think like to me it was like I finally had an idea of what I needed to do. And I had the drive to do it as well and understood what I, my, my body and like mind could do at that point. Mm. And because I'd started photography a lot later than I would have hoped to have, I kind of just sort of, instead of like putting eight hours a day into photography as an 18-year-old, I had to double it down, you know, from 25 onwards. So instead of working eight hours, I'd do like 16 hours days. But mm. then like, you know, it's not like I started at 25, it was like I started at 20 or whatever. Yeah. And that was just purely because... I wasn't wasting time doing things. So like finding the best way to do something like as early as possible 
it just you know maximizes as, as time goes on. Mm. So. so you bought a drone as your first purchase of equipment? Nah, I bought a I bought a camera because working construction like oh, like all jobs in Australia, you get four weeks off annual leave a year, mm. and uh, like we didn't really get to do anything throughout the year, and then over Christmas you have to take two weeks or, or three weeks sometimes. Yeah, and so I was like, all right, this is really the only time that I can travel. And uh, I saw this photo of um, like perfect photographer Jared Singh, which I'm sure everyone obviously knows yeah, who yeah. he is. <laughs> and uh, I remember hitting him up and was like, hey man, like, do you mind telling me where these, these caves are? Like they, the photos look insane. And he sort of said, oh, this is exactly where they are and this is how you get there. And it was super helpful. And he was like, are you going to like, do you take photos? Are you going to take photos of it? And I was like, oh, I was just going to, you know, take my GoPro. Uh, so for wide angle lens, he was like, nah, man, just, if yeah, you're going to go on. all that way, it's like, <laughs> a day to get there through like 50 river crossings and like leech infested waters and like oh. hiking. <laughs> like, if you're going to spend all that time getting there, just buy like, you know, a, just a DSLR camera, yep. like the cheapest one and just, you know, at least get some good photos of your trip. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And then like from that point, like just went and like researched cameras and, you know, bought that and uh, got a Canon. went and bought a Canon <laughs> 700D. <laughs> 700D. <laughs> 700D. Or Rebel T5i. I think America has. That's yeah. their, their name yeah. from. Yeah. And so yeah. that trip was the first time you'd ever really used a camera? Yeah. Uh, I'd like, I'd filmed like a bunch of GoPro videos and stuff like paintballing yeah. and jackass style like videos. Yeah. Know, yeah. Like just goofing around. But that was the first like photo camera that I'd, I'd bought. Yeah. Yeah. So you just completely kind of fell in love with it on that trip. Yeah. No, I was and ran with it from there. Yeah, it was the most insane trip. I got one photo from that, and to this day, it's probably still my favorite photo. And uh, yeah, it it did pretty well. Like the Vietnam Tourism Board, and as like ranked it as like one of Vietnam's like top photos. I think like got an award for that in 2019. Right, and on his first ever expedition, first (laughs) first ever photo, (laughs) flex. And uh, yeah, just sort of that point was the was the pivotal moment. I was like, damn people are offering to pay money for like one photograph. I was like, okay, well maybe I can make money off of this and turn it from a hobby into into something more tangible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So how did you transition from having it as a hobby to having it full time? How long was that period and what, what were the steps you kind of implemented to make that happen? Yeah. So after I bought my first camera and then I still was still working in the office like for a year and I'd be shooting at like sunrise and, and sunset, like before work and after work, like almost every day. Got to the point where I felt like I like had like some, ability to like try and make some money and like approach people and pitch to clients but it was it was a massive leap um i decided to go to like travel the world in 2019 so i basically took all of my money like from that seven year career and just like invested into gear and i think i spent like 30 grand um on gear and just bought the best stuff i'm like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go to like 40 countries i want to yeah yeah i don't want to have a 700d with me i want to get like a (laughs) canon 5d mark IV. yeah yeah (laughs) get it get it but like a good camera you know (laughs) (laughs) so 40 countries you hit up in that time nearly 40 i think it was a few less than that how Um, was that taking the leap man it was the best feeling so like that year after like coming back from management like i just wasn't working for the right project team my manager at the time was just not like wanting to innovate or like better the project it was just like a bit of a coaster mm. and i was just like trying to do better and just coming off of like master and like that award and stuff i was like i really want to you know be active and stuff but there wasn't any opportunity to do it so i was like oh damn fuck fuck it i'll just do it myself do it myself and uh yeah yeah so then just sort of yeah sunk all the money into into gear and just sort of bought a one-way ticket to i think the first stop was bali yeah um, yeah where'd you go give us the route of where you jumped around um went to so like bali then like over to like Singapore, Borneo, Brunei. And I did like all of Southeast Asia up from like, what's the most Southern? Malaysia, mm. all the way up 
um, to uh, Vietnam, but like Laos and Cambodia and, and all that, and then flew to uh, Kazakhstan, then to Egypt, wow. then to like Morocco and like all of Europe, like all the little countries like Andorra, Liechtenstein to like Spain and Switzerland and, and all that. And then uh, there are some so countries Lichten. I've never heard of. <laughs> Liechtenstein. Yeah, Liechtenstein. Well, it was, it was a bit of a game to me because I was like, there's, there's countries that no one, and that's my, my favorite thing is going to places that no one sort of thinks of going yeah. to. So like, you know, like you mm. go on Google Maps at night and you scroll into and you're like, oh, this looks pretty cool. Like, oh, damn, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know there was a country there. Yeah. So it was a bit of a game, like countries like Brunei and Andorra, I'd only spent like two nights there because like, they're, they're pretty small so you can kind of see them pretty quickly. But yeah, it was just a bit of a game to like try and see how many I could get to. I, the, yeah, the goal was sure. to get to 100 countries in two years. Yeah. But then that second year got knocked off with COVID. But he probably would have made it. I, I mean, I was running out of money. So like, <laughs> I think I was just bleeding a little bit like from the client yep. work to uh, and like Contra and stuff like that. But yeah. So you invested it all into gear initially and then the rest kind of went into travel expenses. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout that whole that Yeah. Whole trip. So the, like a lot of money like took me, a lot of my money like was put towards going to places that I wanted to go to. But then there might have been like a few jobs where I had to stick around in a country for like two weeks to get it. So like it would be trading like photos for hotel rooms or food at restaurants and yeah. um, adventure tours and like, you know, that sort of thing. Cool. What's the most hectic travel story you've had? I love a good travel story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was um, there was one travel story. I was in, a, in Cambodia at a hostel and I was staying in a 32-bed dorm with a mate and wow. uh, there was a big party the night before and we all had to do like, like, like cross-dressing and stuff for the theme of the party, uh, which most hostels have. They always have a good theme for a party. Yeah. Went to bed, woke up. Probably about went to bed at like twelve. Woke up at about two, and um, to my mate screaming. And like we were staying in a thirty-two bed dorm, so we were packed like packed into this into this <laughs> room in <laughs> Cambodia. Oh, there was crazy. Like, I was on the top bunk, and there's probably not even maybe like t- like twenty centimeters worth of like timber between my bed and the person next to me, and they were butted up to each other. So if you lay down, you can't see this random person you've never met. But if you sit up at all. You can just like see this like person sleeping. So <laughs> it's just the mo- it's it was the worst place I've ever stayed in my life. And uh, so I woke up at two a.m. and and she was screaming like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And I, I like went straight into like adrenaline mode. I looked down and there's this guy like squatting next to her bed, and we had these lockers beneath our bed, and where we put all our stuff. And and her one like was popped open, and so like it looked like he was like robbing her in the middle of the night. And I was, like, to picture it, I was, like, the top bunk on the opposite side. So, if there were two bunks yeah, there, yeah, like, yeah. facing mm. each other with a little gap in the middle, I was the top on one side and she was the bottom of the other. And uh, so, I just saw this this guy, like, like potentially robbing her. So, I was like, what are you doing? Like, And, like, adrenaline kicked in. I jumped off the top bunk, just, like, onto the floor to confront him and, like, sort of trap him in there just to see, like, you know, if he was going to, like, rob and run off without, like, you know, some camera gear or whatever. Mm. And I landed in some water, and I was like, what is this? And then <laughs> <laughs> and then the, then the smell hit me, and I realised that he was, like, pissing on the ground, but also, like, taking a crap, and I was like, what is <laughs> going on? <laughs> and I, I, it hit me, and I, I was stunned. I didn't know what to do, so I just, like, 300 kicked him. You know that movie where, like, Leonidas kicks the guy in there? What? Kicked him, like, over, because I thought he was still robbing, and I was, like, confused what was going on. But, I, <laughs> the but he was doing, like, <laughs> smell, the vision, that was going on. Yeah, I, mean, I had to do something. Like, I had no idea, but I was like, he's, he's doing something dodgy here. <laughs> Like with my mates, it's an interesting <laughs> technique to rob someone, isn't it? Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, he was taking a crap on the ground and I was like, I was so confused. And then everyone, 32 people woke up, lights flicked on. He's got his pants on his ankles and he just like pulls them up and sprints out of the room. Like, and we're on the other side of the room. So he's got to run past everyone's bed. Like everyone takes a look at him. Turns out that he got cut off at the bar the night before at the party. And the guy that he was, he wasn't actually doing anything with my mate with her like locker and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was actually taking a crap because the guy beneath me was uh, a bartender that cut him off. So as a way of getting back at him, he was going to like take a crap in front of his bed. So when he got out, he would stand in it. And uh, I just, he just obviously woke everyone up. So then like I just made sure everything like maybe something got robbed because her locker was still open. But I think maybe she just forgot to shut it. Went downstairs um, and I went to reception and there was a massive language barrier here. Like I was trying to explain the situation. I'm like, dude, this guy's literally just like crapped on the floor. In front of my mate's bed and like in my, <laughs> my bed, I've just like you know stood in his bed, like jumping down off the bed to confront him, and he's like, oh, I, like I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand. I'm like, oh, like how do I? I was like, can you just come with me, please? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we walk upstairs. This guy's just like a nighttime manager. He's got no yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like he doesn't care. But then it's alerted some of the other people that work there. It's like a big party hostel in in Cambodia. He comes upstairs and I'm like we're walking over the area and. You just see everything. Like, there's just crap and piss everywhere. Oh. And, like, this guy comes oh. in, this little team, like, start cleaning it and try not to, like, you know, um, trying to, like, comfort everyone. Like, yeah, just go back to bed. It'll be fine. I'm like, nah, dude, like, we're all awake now. But then I realized I, like, turned a little bit to the right. There's an empty bunk. Well, was an empty bunk. And it's the guy pretending to sleep. Oh. <laughs> and so, like... I'm, I'm so like <laughs> mad at this point because of the whole situation. Everyone's yelling at this guy and he's still pretending to sleep. <laughs> I ended up whipping a photo and taking a photo of him just like, just in case, you know, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, just, yeah. Um, if he did something dodgy. I like went back downstairs. I was like, look, I can't. I was like, I can maybe try and get something out of this. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sleep in that room with that bad experience. I'm probably not going to sleep the rest of the night. So yeah. I was like, can you just chuck us in a private room? And he's like, yeah, we've got one more left. It's like next to the pool. Like this great room it had air conditioning as well there's no air <laughs> yeah. conditioning in the previous 32 bed so then went to bed woke up the next morning and i was like i'm gonna see this guy and like he knows what i look like after the confrontation last night and everything like just an absolute dog and so he uh, actually got kicked out of the hostel but before he left all his mates were like pressuring him i think he's from england to like pay for like our room and stuff because i was like i'm not going to pay for a room after yeah. going through this yeah and so they he ended up giving me like in person he wanted to apologize i was like man i don't even want to see this guy yeah giving me like 150 us dollars cash and then also paying for my room and and then left and i like, never saw him again so i was like it's a bit of a redeeming factor <laughs> yeah. it wasn't targeted at me i oh, somehow yeah. like got wrapped up in something with him and that bartender but it was just yeah, just an absolute. You got a poolside apartment. Got a poolside apartment with aircon. One hundred fifty bucks US. Just have to three hundred kick some dude off his squat. Pretty much. I can picture that it is like full just push back, just mid pop. Dude, I I like. Travel, eh? What crazy, yeah. crazy Literally. I was just like, I was just so worried about like my camera gear. Like I, yeah, like yeah. traveling around, I, I wouldn't even trust my bag and lockers because there's some dodgy lockers like throughout the countries I went to. And so I'd always sleep with it under my head, but just in case, for whatever reason, maybe I put it in my locker that day and I was just like, I'm not losing like my life, like sinking all my money into that. I'm like, I'm not going to lose my camera gear. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to do whatever it takes to, to make sure I protect my like assets and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And now he just happened to be in the firing line of potential <laughs> robbery slash defecation on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. 
<laughs> so how many countries did you hit up after that? Or was that kind of the end of the travel period? Nah, we'd only just begun. I think that was like country six wow. on oh, the list. True. So surely at that start point, off plenty good. more stories. Yeah, oh, surely man, at that there, point. There are so many other stories and stuff. That That's probably one of the most funny ones. Because I remember the next day I like FaceTimed my mates. And like sent them the photos like, guys, I got the best story to tell you. <laughs> That's crazy. And there were just like six people on FaceTime like laughing at the whole thing. So there's a few good stories um, throughout the rest of the trip. But yeah, it was, it was pretty early on. So after all that traveling, what made you come home? I picked up a job in, in Croatia and it was, it was on this big yacht. And we were, me and this other photographer um, from New Zealand, we were, we were just photogra- like taking photos of this thing mm. for about eight days. And I was filming and he was taking photos. And uh, we went out on like night number two of this because it was like an eight day, like just an absolute great time. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the like the shoot day, him and I just like sort of went out and had a bunch of drinks and stuff. But we got absolutely written off. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my camera gear with me, and we were just like doing like little bar hops in Havar mm. in, in Croatia, and it started like coming down like real hard with rain and i had all my gear and i was like all right let's just run back to the boat and drop it off and then keep going and i was just running down those like slippery slippery cobblestone roads yeah. and uh i slipped like down this one hill and i planted my like left arm and my elbow didn't bend so like my shoulder like burst through the front of my like no skin bursting but like just popped out yeah dislocated my shoulder and snapped my clavicle like collarbone oh. and then tore my ac joint as well in the shoulder oh. I but feel like that's the worst <laughs> nightmare while traveling. Oh man, it, it was so bad. But at, at the time, because I was like, I was really drunk. I like got up like it was nothing, and I started like you know moving my arm around. I was like, ah, oh, this feels a bit sore, but it, like you know, like I can still like let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we went back to the boat, dropped my gear off, and I just like sat on my bed in, in my room. And he's like, oh dude, I'll go get some beers and like. So I sit down, put my gear down. He comes back. He's got like four Coronas in his hand, and and he takes one look at me and he's like, what are you? He's like so confused, like what happened to you? And then he realized it's from the fall, and he's looking at me, and he's like, "Man, I'll be right back." So he puts the beers down. I start having my next beer. He goes away. He comes back with this other New Zealand girl that was on the on the the yacht, and she's a nurse, thankfully. And she would take one look at me, and she's like, "Ah, oh, dude, your arm's not in its socket." <laughs> oh <laughs> no way! And I was like, "Oh crap!" I, I looked down, and yeah, for sure, it was just hanging down out of my arm. <laughs> And uh, so she's like, we gotta, we got to get you to the hospital. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries, all right. We'll just bring the beers, you know. She, like, cuts up my pillowcase <laughs> makes it, like, a little, like, uh, what do you call those things? Like a sling. Like a sling, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we went up this little hill to this, like, little hospital room. And um, this guy, like, saw me and he was like, yeah, he's like, your shoulder's fine. Like, and he, I took a look at it and it was back in. So somewhere along the walk it had popped back in. Oh, nice. handy. So he just gave me, like, a, a sling. He's like, you're going to have to go to Dubrovnik, which is, like, three days later. Um, and just like get it x-rayed and see what the damage is. So for those three days, I was just like in that pillowcase, like sling slash oh, the one that he gave with me. Pain. Saw with when pain, you saw man, dude. Yeah. I, I couldn't even move, like showering and like everything. I couldn't sleep, like nothing was so oh. bad. So like, yeah, that, that pretty much cut the trip off because um, I had to make a decision. Like, do I want to go back to America? And I had like friends and family from the fraternity and stuff there. I could go live there for a bit because I had a Canadian visa. I was going to move to Canada at that point. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I was like, either I go back to Australia and recover there or I go like keep going to America and recover there with my mates and then go to Canada and move there so I was like all right well I'll just I'll go to America um and stay there I was there for about six weeks and I think like recovering on these things is like four to five weeks if you don't move it but I didn't know that you couldn't 
like move a bone. <laughs> I'd never broken a bone before. I was like, oh, I thought it was right. like a muscle where if you can start using it, you should. Yeah, right. So it ended up being like, it was actually broken for about five months instead oh. of like four or five weeks. Oh. And uh, so at that point I was like, all right, I probably just got to go home and get this thing sorted out and then came back to Australia and then COVID happened. So I couldn't keep my, couldn't go back to Canada, couldn't move there, couldn't keep doing the countries. Damn. And, and yeah. how did that kind of affect your mentality? Was it kind of like a blessing or were you heaps upset? I was definitely upset. It was probably a little bit of a blessing because I was running low on the funds and so i was sort of just hanging out like i was going to go work at a mate's like bottle store in denmark for a little bit to make some money and do all these like little odd jobs but i think like it was probably a little bit of a blessing to to come back to australia and and start making some more money to keep going so chad throughout that whole period of traveling what is something that you piece together that you're probably the most proud of i think through all of that was uh my short film lens um, which is just a collation of like all the videos i shot from buying my first camera to traveling the world and stuff like that in 2019 um yeah so it's just a chronological timeline of yeah like quitting my job and buying a camera and then going traveling and going to iceland like there's ups and downs and narratives and scripts and music artists and stuff all like contributing to that a few boys as well like contributing footage to that as well um yeah so that's probably the biggest thing that i've created to date which is which has been quite successful and you had a big premiere with it didn't you yeah i threw it up in a in a cinema in perth and um yeah, just had, had a screen around the world and film festivals and stuff like that. And fortunate to take away a few awards and stuff around the world as yeah, well. Yeah, what was the, the, the big award that you took away? That was an exciting feat for you. Um, yeah, so it's been nominated in a few festivals. Um, for me, like even a nomination is massive. <laughs> massive, yeah, especially for That's something massive, that was yeah. just put together as like an afterthought rather than shooting for something. Um, but it took out most inspirational at LA Film Awards um, yeah, and wow. Best First Time Director as well nominated for that. And wow! Yeah, a few others around like Canada, and it's just been nominated in Australia as well at a Australian Film Festival as well, which is pretty good. That's wow. huge! Congrats! Yeah, yeah. that's so incredible. What was the what was the kind of news when you found out that news? Were you frothing? Or were you just stoked? I was, dude. I was stoked because I entered it into. I just went for like the big festivals. I was like, if I'm going to spend the money like paying for entries, I'm just going to try it like for whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it l- luckily got picked up by some good ones and. Um, yeah, it's just the, the best feeling. Just the first nomination was like, dude, someone's actually watched this outside of Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they my, like it. It's not my mum. <laughs> you know, and uh, so someone finds value in, in the story. So what did you do when you came back? Jumped into the freelance photography and video work? Yeah, I um, was like, I, I took all of that skill that I'd, you know, shooting every single day, you know, for 12 hours, like plus every single day. And then I was like, all right, well, I've got my like management experience in construction and I've got the ability and stuff in my craft now. So I was like, all right, I'll start a freelance business. Started working for a marketing agency for about six months. And then I was like, all right, I think I can like go off on my own now and pitch to clients and, and, and try and find some more work. So I just built a, a freelance business here in, in Perth. And then, yeah. How did you find the difference and transition to like freelance work on your own compared to being, you know, previously working in, you know, salary paying jobs where there was, bosses and colleagues it was really it was actually really easy because i think working for someone was one of the main reasons i kind of left that previous career and uh i mean like credit to them like they one of the reasons i did it was because i got to work in so many different industries and they like they got on so many cool jobs that i wouldn't have been able to get myself so it i gained all this experience plus like I, I try to like move my way up in the company as well, um, just with the confidence and stuff that I'd had like previously, like you know managing and stuff like multi-million dollar projects before. Um, so I 
kind of worked my way up that way but then I felt like they weren't going to give me what I wanted to do and that was to be my own boss completely. Mm. Um, so making that jump from working in, in an agency to being freelance was actually really easy as long as you have the skills to back it. It, yeah. was, it was one of the easiest decisions. What does it mean to you to be your own boss? Oh man, it means sleeping in when I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, means, <laughs> it means doing whatever I want during the day. Um, being creative, being like team building like every single day. Like I, I remember hating like going to my job and having to argue with people for a living or screwing people over for money. It's like, that's super depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for anyone, not just for me personally, like, but I think people can just cop that. And I was just like, I don't know. I just wanted to be like creative and then be the manager of my own time. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I bet what you loved is being able to be productive and get more done rather than just having eight, 12 hours of a day where you're yeah. slogging away. You yeah. Can get and technically and like 16, 24 hours of a day. Uh, yeah. Totally, man. I think, time. yeah. Being, I think I'm a little impatient as well. And so, like, having to depend on other people was, like, really frustrating. Like, if I wanted to do something, like, now I can just do it. You know, I can stay yeah. up and, you know, stay yeah. up super late till 4 a.m. And, and keep doing what I want to do. Yeah. But, yeah, like, when you're in an office job or a, or a salary job, you just kind of got to clock in and clock out. And, you know, sometimes you take that home with you and you're still thinking about it. Yeah. And you're not getting paid for that. Or, like, you know, it's not going, none of that effort's going towards you. It's going to someone else. So, this is a good way to, like, centralize it and bring it back to you. You're obviously working in a lot of the lifestyle and tourism industries. Yeah. You do a lot of tourism work. Over the past few years, what are kind of the jobs been looking like that you've been doing? I try to predominantly do tourism. Yeah, there's like one in five jobs are, are jobs that, you know, we all probably enjoy and the yeah. other four are just the ones that pay the bills. Mm-hmm. You, you have that cool um, analogy of the three circles. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah well, <laughs> that's from Jared saying as well, actually. He oh told yeah. me about that one time. Yeah. It's the fun money exposure Venn diagram. Yeah. And so... All jobs, when you're like thinking about whether or not you're going to take it on, you got to consider like whether it, how much fun it is, how much exposure it's going to give to you and how much money you're going to earn from it. Mm. And the best job is the one that's going to give you all three. But the jobs that you consider, like maybe if it only gives you two, like if you get fun, like out of it and money, but it's not going to like, you're not going to get seen by many people. Like, you know, you probably still take it or like any of the other two or three combinations. But if it's just fun and you're not getting any money or exposure, like that, that might be cool if you've got the time to do it, but you're not going to get like pay the bills for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just money and you're hating it and you're not going to get seen by anyone, like it's got to be paying like really good for you to be in that mm-hmm. component of the diagram. So yeah, it's just something to consider. I think um, we naturally think like that, to be honest, when taking jobs. Yeah. 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 yeah After exactly. a while, it just becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just think like that. Yeah. So you mentioned how you messaged Jared early on and in one of our other podcasts we discussed how important it is to message people that you kind of find as an inspiration especially when you're new in the industry how much value since that message to Jared have you found I think a lot man um he's a he's a great dude yeah I've been in contact with him a few times like phone calls like I've watched him like talk it like uh present you know to, to other upcoming photographers and stuff like that yeah, it was, it, was, it was really good. I think one time, like, I hopped on as, like, some talent for a shoot that he's doing for the city of Perth, like, Christmas lights and stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then another time, like, he was driving back from, I don't think it was down south, and he, like, he was like, if anyone wants to call me, I'll do, like, 30-minute, like, sessions. Like, give me a call, we'll talk about your project, and oh, I'm trying to help people. So, he was a, I could tell he was a great dude, and he, was, he, was, he had all the experience, man. He's done some incredible things. Yeah. So, I was like, all right, well, this guy... He obviously understands how to run a small business and well, well, not a small business for him anymore. Like, but he's, he's very talented and yeah, just stayed in contact. And uh, yeah, I'm actually 
he just asked me the other day to to edit a, a project for him. Yeah, wow. Um, I think it's yeah with Tourism Australia as and well. You were that guy with the GoPro, and I was the guy with the GoPro the that GoPro. didn't know how to take a photo. So. Yeah. Damn. Wow, how See, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's what it shows. Just reach out to people because yeah. you never know what value you're going to get back, where it's going to take you. Yeah, so wow. definitely, that's really cool. Where what, are we gonna what have been? I'll just kind of wrap it up into the last bits. What have been some pivotal points over the last three years for you getting new jobs? I think yeah, definitely hard work. Um, presence as well like I think on social media you've got to have some sort of presence on there to be legitimized I think you know I also think that like just approaching clients um, having a client gallery on your website as well to to bring people back to to see all the stuff that you do I think that's that's probably one of the most important things actually is Mm. is having a centralized hub of all the work you've ever done not just creative work but work that's going to pay the bills so um, that's been super important. And then, yeah, just networking with people, going out, um, hitting people up in DMs and, you know, seeing if you want to go shoot or go to coffee or go see, like, people's exhibitions and stuff. And, you know, you, you're bound to meet that. But I think, yeah, it's really about, uh, like, networking and uh, just having a, a good foundation for, for people to come back to in terms of your own work. And to our favourite segment and very new segment to the podcast, mm. Get It Off Your Chest. Get It Off Your Chest! Chad, is there anything you want to get off your chest? <laughs> you want to Boys, that was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> We've been practicing our What an intro. <laughs> anyway. It's a real like, low budget <laughs> intro, but it's good. Does the trick. Yeah. Chad. Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of food ordering. Yeah. Um, again, maybe just a time efficiency of not having to cook or just laziness is one of the two. Yeah. Been ordering food lately and uh, got some Zambreros the other day. Um, and it was late, like super late at night. At that point, I checked out working, so I was just like, I was in my jocks, and uh, <laughs> the food like got delivered. Um, but it was like there was a bit of hustle going on outside, and I was downstairs and I wanted to run upstairs and put like pants on. And the food, like to me at that point, I thought it was right in front of the door. Yeah. So I go outside the front of my house, and I live on a very busy street. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Yeah, <laughs> um, in Perth. Um, so it, it wasn't there. And it turns out it was like behind the cars. Um, which is like in full-blown view. And I'm just like, I'm outside. And at that point, I'm already like, oh, where's the food? And I see it. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I run out there and I grab the food and there's, there's someone moving in next door. Oh, no. Like a full family. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm just in my jugs. <laughs> oh, no. I don't, I don't stop. I don't say nothing. I look at them. <laughs> I'm deer in a headlight to sprint back inside. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, imagine man. the trauma. But then <laughs> you'd think I would have learnt my lesson from that. <laughs> And then the next day was bin day <laughs> oh. and uh, I was in a shirt and jocks this time and I had to go take the bins out to this very, very busy street. <laughs> and again, I didn't want to run upstairs. I was like, I'm downstairs and I might as well just go do it. So I go over to the bins, like it's all like around the corner. It's all sweet. And I was like, all right, I know I'm in my jocks this time. I just got caught out like a couple of days earlier. Yeah. I'm just going to go for it. So I pull the bins out and as I pull, this stream of cars start coming. Oh There's no. a guy jogging past me. I look, I like just pull the shirt down a little bit <laughs> as, if, as if they would make it look any better. But yeah. So oh, the first time you didn't even have a shirt on. No, nah, I didn't. Just know. jocks. No jocks. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. No just jocks. jocks. Oh, <laughs> you know what's concerning? Liam does that all the time. <laughs> just here. <laughs> Running out of his apartment to grab his boardies quickly or something. And he's yeah, oh, in his little here, jocks. I wouldn't do it on a street. No. Stuff that. <laughs> no. On the washing line. No, it's just here, out the front. Uh, He'll I'm run out, out all the, the time in his jocks, hey. But quickly, I couldn't imagine doing it in front of a busy street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's nice. Nice. No The neighbours probably think you do it all the time. I can't promise I won't do it again. Yeah. I mean, like, ah. you know. Efficiency. Yeah, efficiency. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And that was Get It Off Your Chest. Get, get it off your chest. Oh, <laughs>
we're good at that, eh? That was great. That's a great segment. I love it. Well done, Chad. Thanks for sharing, Chad. That was epic. We want to move into what are some future projects and goals that you're working on now and what are some ambitions for the future? Currently, I'm working on a a bit of a like TV show for for Harley Davidson um, wow. and uh, a local well not local he's a celebrity David Janat um, and we're busy putting together this like this TV show where we interview it's kind of like getting coffee in cars with celebrities but we're doing it on motorcycles and yeah one of the cool projects coming up is hopefully get to go to Sydney next month um, and film a a festival over there and a few episodes of the of the show and so cool. yeah so it should be going over there uh, should be getting some more tourism work this mm. year as well from what i've heard and yeah just 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 working on a bunch of tourism projects at the yeah, moment cool in perth it's exciting so. amazing yeah so from someone who's already thrived in the industry for a number of years what are some tips you can give to people looking to get into it um i think uh firstly you've got to be putting out good quality work mm. um i think a lot of people get caught up in just posting like quantity like just whatever they create just chucking it up but i think if you're going to build a bit of a online presence and what people view you for you've just got to be putting up quality so if you take 100 shots and you think they're all good there's you know just chuck up the top 10 you know or 20 or whatever um yeah put out good quality consistent work um another one is just hit people up like make try and like hit people up in dms and make as many friends as possible and Mm. um network because like i think that's where most opportunities come to me now is is through people rather than like you know online presence and stuff like that it's always through word of mouth now yeah or most times and then your favourite, boys, is just efficiency. Find, find <laughs> oh, we love it. <laughs> we love it, don't we? Find, <laughs> just really put time and effort into like perfecting your, your workflow and your process and stuff like that. So, you know, like learn about your camera, like literally learn every single button on there. Spend a couple hours doing that so that you never get caught out on a shoot trying to figure out, oh, can I do this? Do I know how to do this? Mm. Um, and then like, you know, f- keyboard shortcuts on your computer and... Yeah, just find the most efficient way, like time management, routines, like everything like that. Yeah. I think that's that's the easiest way to fast track your knowledge and, and, and leveling up. Yeah, level oh, up. Amazing, yeah. Chad. Amazing. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure having a chat with you today. No, thanks for having me, boys. You're a big inspiration it. for all of us, so yeah, continue what you're doing and can't wait to see what you get up to. Thanks no. for the chat, Chad. Appreciate it, Chad. Appreciate it, boys. Thank you so much. Thanks, yeah. mate.